Welcome, everyone, to your ongoing journey or leap into a new world of opportunity. Inside Japan Podcast is a stepping stone for your next adventure. It is a show filled with informative interviews, perspectives on local life, and how you can master your path into the unknown. For today, kick back and listen to the wisdom of our host, James. Hey, LT Insider here, episode 29 of the Inside Japan Podcast. As always, brought to you by jobsjapan.com and the Patreon supporters out there. Interesting show for you today, my friends. Before we get to the episode, though, I was, I was uh, I'm getting, I'm preparing my, I always do an end of the year recap, right? I'll do the, the review of the year in the podcast and the year in the website. I kind of talk about the goals I had for in terms of listener numbers and things like that. And did I get, you know, interviews? I have my favorites, my least favorites. And I somehow clicked my first interview. And if you have time, to, if you have two minutes to spare, listen to my first interview. And uh, it's embarrassing for me because this is how far how far bad I was, I guess, not the right way to say it, but it's really bad. I, I listened to it uh, yesterday. I said, wow, I was a really bad interviewer, but that was three years ago. So I've gotten slightly, slightly better since then. So hopefully you can enjoy this episode with He Gun. And he is a business uh, entrepreneur, business owner in Japan. He started his own business. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for you uh, now because I want you to learn along with me because I kind of didn't know what it was either when I started the interview. And then he kind of told me what it is and what the idea behind it was. So uh, he had a ton of interesting path to Japan. He went to high school in Japan. So a little bit different than most of you probably listening out there that you know come to Japan in different ways, not in high school. So I tried to concentrate on though what we can learn from him, what you can still learn from him, even if you don't go to high school in Japan. <laughs> and uh, interesting note though, he went to international high school in Japan. So it wasn't like he was just a, you know, a native level speaker of Japanese either when he started his business because he wasn't, as he says. So you know, anyone can take the things that this, the Higan did and uh, you know, apply them. If you have an idea, and you push hard enough, you can make it happen. That's the, the basic message of this episode. So without further ado, let's get to it. He gone and his story of Nishiyogi Place. Enjoy. How are you doing today, He gone? I'm doing great, James. Yeah, it's nice to have you on the show today to learn about this mysterious thing that if you just hear the name, you don't know what's going on, right? Nishiyogi <laughs> Place. Who knows what that is, right? But we're, we're going to learn from you today. So let's, why don't you tell us that? What is Nishiyogi Place? And uh, I, I, I want to get into the idea of how, how you came up with the idea, of course, too. But let me just start with the end point, right? What is Nishiyogi Place? So Nishiyogi Place is a co-working and maker space uh, here in Tokyo, Japan. And it really is a place for entrepreneurs to express their creativity and a place to find inspiration. Okay. So I've heard of these kind of things before where like you go somewhere and it's like supposed to be inspirational and stuff. But I mean, what, how do you – okay, let me go straight to the point. How do you get mm-hmm. money for that, right? Yeah, and, and that's, that's when a lot of people just kind of ask me when I say that one-liner. Um, and it's interesting because we really run uh, educational programs. We learn educational programs that teach and uh, uh, things about business model, Canvas, and also entrepreneurship. And our, our revenue source is, comes from three different things. Uh, our educational progress, programs, uh, our co-working space where people come here for uh, monthly members or day members, uh, and then a maker space where we can be your consultant in your hardware project. Okay, okay. So we'll get more into Nishiyogi Place uh, near the halfway point or end of this interview. But let's get to the, your beginnings in Japan, right? Because uh, I don't think you were born in Japan. So uh, no. how did you come to Japan? What was your kind of reason for coming to Japan in the first place? And how did you go about doing it? So it was it was kind of a um, pretty long journey. So I was born in Korea. So I'm, I'm originally Korean. Uh, my passport is Korean. But I was born in Korea, grew up there a little bit, uh, actually lived in Vietnam because of my family situation. Um, we actually moved our business to Vietnam. So I lived there for a year. And then I lived in Tokyo for, I guess, now 10 years. 
uh, I grew up uh, basically in a, a very international community of Japan. Um, and then I went to uh, college in the States. And I just, I just got back uh, two years ago. Uh, from the states, uh, and then now I'm reliving uh, Japan. Okay, so when you came to Japan, then what was your kind of Japanese level? You or did you not have to have Japanese because you're in the international community? Uh, so I was, I was, I couldn't speak Japanese. I, I was actually, I remember because I was in Shogakko Ichinense, uh elementary school, um, and then I couldn't speak Japanese. So I was, I was rather kind of an outsider within the school. Um, but, you know, I really learned Japanese through watching, actually, surprising anime um, and TV. Okay. And then you kind of picked it up. And then you said, and you went through all school, right? So all through high school, through in Japan. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I, I went through high school, basically elementary, middle school, and high school. But I went to uh, international school. Uh, it was a school called American School in Japan. Uh, and that's where I learned English and also Japanese. But in a very uh, different way. Okay. So then now, I mean, just I want to ask someone like that. Did they teach you kanji at the same style they teach the, um, you know, Japanese learners? Was it just, you know, here's first grade, you got to know these. Here's second grade, you got to know these. Was that same system? So it's interesting because mostly, most classes we don't because uh, we only have like two hours of Japanese every day or something like that. But I had a special Japanese teacher that, really drove me in kanji so i'm, I'm actually grateful because i can use kanji and i'm quite quite good at it now oh, okay okay so then you know mm -hmm. then now you you graduate high, high school say hey i want to go to college mm -hmm. um is there a reason you chose america over japan like specifically was just you know for the experience so i i think it was really in my school environment that i grew up um i, I had a lot of international american friends um so it's, it was really a dream of mine to go to the u.s and see what the the buzz was about oh cool and and uh maybe i'm surprising people but the japanese life and uh american uh, japanese college life and american college mm -hmm. life are very extremely different things um, yeah mm -hmm. uh you know sororities drinking keg stands mm -hmm. these are all american college <laughs> things that people know and love uh, in yeah. japan they're more rare right so did you did you enjoy that stuff when you went over there <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely was part of the whole college experience in the U.S. <laughs> okay, cool, um, cool. But you know, it's interesting because Japanese college life is very different, and I know this because some of my friends uh, went to Japanese colleges, um, and I, I know, I know they still do the drinking. I know, you know, in a very different fashion. Um, but it's it's very different. Yeah, definitely. yeah. It, it, like the biggest thing is like there's no huge like everyone gets to a small house and like just you know drinks their their head off, right? That's like a normal. <laughs> yeah. There's not like a big Halloween party at my house and everyone goes yeah. to their house is just a mess, right? That, that doesn't happen. It's really interesting. Um, and how about I want to know about that because you know how the, how Japan college is set up for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the entrance exams to the college is really difficult. Uh, once you in though, it's kind of you could coast more. Uh, American colleges are also difficult to get in. There's no like tests though, but uh, once you get in, you still got to work, right? So, uh, did did you? How does that work when you want to come back? Did you go to four years of college in America, or yeah? Oh, so okay. I, I I did the whole four years in the U.S., but that was kind of the interesting point where um, getting into college uh, it was it was hard. But since I majored in engineering too, it was it was quite a lot of studying, especially okay. in the U.S. Okay, so but you kind of took studying seriously. It sounds like you uh, were a good student. I, I, I try to. I'm going to say I was the best student. <laughs> okay, so then your college ex life is done. Now you're at a crossroads, right? I'm sure you could have got a job in America with that shiny new degree, right, in engineering probably. I don't know the, the, the climate at that time, but you probably could have, but you decided to come back to Japan. So what was I thinking there? 
So it really was uh, because of my family business. So my family business is in retail, uh, fashion, and also um, they do a lot of things with Mari and Isetan Hyakaten. Uh, but, you know, after, after finishing school, I kind of, you know, wanted to come back and really see and test my entrepreneurial chops. Uh, and it was a really good place to start. Okay. So about your family business, was this like, is this a store or is it something different than that? So, you know, mainly it was, um, manufacturing. Uh, we have a factory in Vietnam and we manufacture goods, uh, for department stores in Japan. Okay. Okay. And then your dad kind of came here to kind of handle the business in Japan side. Yep, that's it. Okay, so then you came back to Japan. Now you want to be an entrepreneur, right? A lot of people say, I want to be an entrepreneur, right? But uh, mm. doing something is different than just, uh, you know, <laughs> than actually just saying it. So what, I guess, Nishiyoki Place, like you explained earlier, is a place to where people come and they mm-hmm. can learn things, be around each other, like, a, you know, educational environment. Uh, mm-hmm. kind of, how did you come up with this idea, right? It's not a, you know, it's not the normal, hey, I want to start a lemonade stand or something like that, idea, yeah. right? So how did you come mm-hmm. about it? Yeah, so it was really from my desire. So you know, coming from a very multicultural background, I just came from the U.S., you know, understood. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people starting businesses. And I come to Japan and it is there, but it's a lot smaller. Um, I would say I, I kind of was swimming in this pool of like, I want to be an entrepreneur in Japan, but where do I go? Um, and really out of my selfish desire, it's, you know, why not just create a space uh, that entrepreneurs and like-minded people can gather. Okay. And so what, I mean, I know that in, in you make a business in Japan, you got to explain to them exactly what you're doing. Uh, you got to show that have the cash ready, a mm-hmm. lot of cash there. How did you pitch this thing to, to them? I mean, what, maybe at Tokyo might be easier than the places, but I know some places it's really difficult to have a new idea because they say, well, I don't mm-hmm. understand this idea. So you don't get a business, uh, uh, what's it called? Business something, mm-hmm. uh, the thing that says you can have a business. Uh, so what did you kind of, yeah. how did you pitch this thing? What was your idea? How did you, was it quick, was it easy process for you? So it, it was, it was quite arduous. Uh, you know, it's a lot of knocking on doors and, you know, trying to convince people, of course, you're going to get rejected and say like, you know, why would you do that? It's, it's risky. Um, but I would say there's part of Japan that is really wanting uh, entrepreneurs and, you know, the Japanese government and I know big companies want more entrepreneurs in Japan. Um, so I was very lucky enough uh, to get subsidy uh, from the Keizai Sangyo Show, uh, the Ministry of Economy and Trade. And that's really what like pushed this project uh, to the execution. Oh, cool, cool. So how did you, for anyone that, I know maybe they won't, don't want to do the same exact thing, uh, but I guess they could. But um, how did you, can you walk us through that process, right? Is it just go to the city hall and say, hey, I want to start a business? What did you, don't go through the whole thing. I know it's a really long thing, but you know, <laughs> give us an outline. Yeah. What steps does it take? How long does it take? So I would say it's, it's, it was an application process. Um, so there was uh, a subsidy, a grant, basically, um, that the Keizai Sangyo Show was offering. And I really applied and tried to uh, promote that this space is something that the Japanese economy and the people need. Um, and, and, and it was like a three, four month process of like, you know, back and forth applications, interviews and trying to under, uh, get them to understand what we we're trying to do. Um, but you know, by the end of it, it we, we, you know, we got the subsidy and that really helped us, um, actually take that risk. Yeah, that's cool. And I guess, uh, since you went to school so long in Japan, I'm sure your Japanese is, is at a you know, high level now. Uh, so would someone that does not have that high level be able to even attempt this, you think? So, you know, I, I would say I speak Japanese, but I, I am not nowhere near high level. Um, so I would say, especially working with the Keizai Sangyo Show, it, you do need some kind of 
uh, Japanese skills. Um, but, you know, they, they could obviously tell that I had an accent, you know, I'm not from around here. So I think that was the biggest hurdle I had to, uh, cross. Okay. So do you think they took it, did they take it easy on you in terms of like, uh, you know, like, uh, did they give you, like, you know, I don't know how your reading is, cause I guess, cause if you don't know the, you didn't learn the kanji as you said, your kanji is pretty good though. But I mean, when they hand you the sheet, I know what it's like to go to the place and ask for business. They hand you the sheet. It's like, it's kind of intimidating. Even if you're yeah. high level Japanese, like, Whoa, hold on. You know, it's like you get yeah. overwhelmed <laughs> quickly. Right. So did you, did, did you have any like assistance from, from someone like a business partner or something? Cause I think that it's really other people have recommended that for sure. Even if your Japanese is really good. Oh yeah. And you know, really it, it did help. Uh, we have a business partner, uh, in Osaka. And he really helped us kind of guide through this whole process. Uh, and it was a collaboration between uh, the two of us. Okay, cool. Okay, so now you, you have this, you have the business license. As a, I don't know it's not what it's called, but you got that. Now you got to find a place and stuff, right? Or did you have to find that place before and, and say this is where you're going to do it? So the place was actually pretty, uh, you know, pretty set. So even before we uh, tried to send a subsidy or uh, get help from the government, um, our family business actually had a warehouse that we were not going to use in a few years' times. So it's, it used to be an old uh, professional school for aeronautics. And our family business bought it seven years ago. Um, and then, you know, it was in, in basically Nishiogikubo. And that's why, hence the name Nishiogi Place. Um, but, you know, we thought it was a waste to use it as a storage facility uh, and we're kind of rolling our heads of how do we revitalize this building? Oh, okay, and okay, so then you got your you got your place there. Uh, I would imagine t- since you're kind of this idea is not a lemonade stand, it's not easy to see your product. It would mm-hmm. be hard to get people in there at the beginning, right? I mean, how do you even wh- what did you go? How did you go about advertising this thing? So, and that's the thing where it really is about getting the right people in into the space and telling them the mission, and that really kind of spreads apart. Uh, of people that really believe in uh, an entrepreneur space like this. You know, we did the traditional social media, blog, uh, and stuff like that, but it really is, in the end, like getting to talk to -to one-to-one people that are interested and actually have a dream of becoming an entrepreneur. So how how do you find those people? Do you do the the, the meetup thing? Do you go to these networking things? How did you kind of, how did you do that? Oh, yeah, a, a lot of meetups, a lot of meetups. You know, we we consistently hold meetups at our space too. A lot of meetups, a lot of networking, going downtown and talking to different people. Whether it's a you know startup conference, a pitch night, or anything, uh, we're always there trying to kind of promote promote our space, but just to get uh, familiar with the uh, community. And do you have any kind of meetup strategy or these kind of you know like uh, do you are you the kind of person that aggressively hands out the business cards and uh, comes there attacks it like a like a like a lion <laughs> on, the, on the field? How, what do you think? What's your kind of meetup strategy, or do you have one at all? So I mean, for us, the meetup strategy is really we want to create value first. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not a big marketing and sales guy. I'm more of an engineer type, so I like building things. So we want to create value first. So when you come to our workshops. You know, we teach you how to build a business. Uh, we teach you how to build a product. Um, and, you know, we hope that people, once they experience that, they feel like they took away something and then they, you know, spread it with their friends and uh, family. Uh, okay, okay. Um, I guess because, you know, your, your kind of path was kind of not the easiest to replicate for like a lot of listeners here are like teaching English, they want to do something else. Your path is mm-hmm. not easy to replicate that way. But we can replicate that 
you got Japanese skills one way or the other, you know, enough Japanese skills, you know, enough to talk and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you kind of, then you had got this idea and you kind of, how did you meet that initial, was that from your, your parents' business, I imagine, but how did you find this kind of initial people to do this with? Was it just a part of this networking, meeting people? So um, w- w- what was interesting is that it wasn't actually from uh, my family business or anything. It was really just knocking on doors, emailing people. Um, I went to a lot of conferences the first year I, I was back in uh, Japan. So I just went on conference tours, just emailing people um, and seeing like, hey, I have this idea. So w- what do you think? Um, wow. And, some, you know, it takes some courage. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you, you have to do that when, when you really have nothing. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you talk to 100 people and one or two people are serious about your ideas. And that's really who you start working with. Yeah, I, w- I want to know what you, what do you mean, like knocking on doors, right? You went to, so you're saying you went to this business and said, hey, can I, we, oh, I have something I want to talk to you with about? Like, what does that exactly mean? It, it came in different, different, you know, uh, ways of approaching people. So w- if it's a conference, you know, I just talk to them one to one and then tell them about my ideas, about kind of what I want to do. Um, you know, I, I would send emails just like if I see a cool, uh, cool business uh, website or whatnot, I just send them an email. Um, most of them don't respond, but the people that are very interested and think it's the right timing for them, you know, we talk and then we understand, like, can we work together? And then from there, the ball starts uh, rolling. Yeah, so I guess the, I guess you would advise, you know, if you if you write to 100 people, you might hear back from what, two, three, four, five, that's still okay, right? Two, yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, take that in mind. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So be sure to, um, guys, let's see if you want to see what Nishiyogi Place looks like. Go to the you can go to the Facebook page, of course, the website nishiyogiplace.com. It looks really cool. Got a cool, uh, you know, decoration kind of hip looking uh, things in there. It looks pretty cool. A lot of places to looks like a lot of desks and stuff. Um, a lot of desks, a lot of places outside. Place looks looks really cool. Um, you know, ha- did you ever have anyone that was really kind of like almost to the point of wow, this is a stupid idea? Did you ever anyone come to you with that? Say wow, what are you doing? Get out of here. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, there are some some people are just like, why are you doing this? Um, like, you're gonna lose all your money. Um, <laughs> and and I'm fine with that because uh, I think that's the nature of entrepreneurship. You know, w- you know, I think there's a big difference of having a dream and executing on them. And in between that, it's facing a lot of rejection, a lot of criticism, and you just have to kind of have a tough skin for that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, did you naturally have that, or yeah, that's something you built up over the the years of putting this together? I think, you know, I think I'm still learning to do that. Um, but it's definitely in my life experiences. And maybe maybe this will help kind of people understand is I used to do a lot of rock climbing and mountaineering. Um, so I love getting myself in danger uh, and putting myself in very uh, dangerous environments. And I, I think doing those kind of things helped me kind of face adversity and kind of understand stress. Uh, and then how do you like keep on going? Um, and that kind of mentality, I think it's really useful even right now when uh, when you start a new venture, it's up, there's a lot of ups and downs, but you have to understand the downs so you can get the ups. Okay, so let's get back to our, we're making a blueprint here. Let's say someone's teaching in Japan, but they have an idea, they want to get it growing. So you would say, uh, I guess move to Tokyo or move to a big city, right? Can you think you could do this in a smaller place or it has to be a big city? I would say, you know, I think Tokyo is a great place to start, especially if you're talking about Japan. Tokyo is the center of all of it. Um, and I think there's a lot of great connections. And, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people limit themselves even if they come to Tokyo. 
um, they think since they can't speak Japanese, they're like, oh, I have to kind of hang around in my same community of friends or whoever I meet. But, you know, Japan, especially Tokyo, is a huge, huge city. You just have to start knocking on doors. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So then, then the, the, the next point would be to get at these conferences, get at these meetups, just get yourself out there and try to talk to people like, uh, like you did. And then, you know, hopefully it'll happen. I mean, uh, so how, how, let's go. So you came back to Japan. How long was it until this place, Nishiyogi place got opened, like in terms of time? So it really was a two year project where the idea started once I got back. A year of just grinding and just talking to people, knocking on doors. Um, and, you know, once, uh, starting a year ago, it started getting serious. Like people, there was, a, there was enough funds, there was enough uh, people involved here that they're serious about it. And we just started construction six months ago and we opened like three, three months ago. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I, what if someone walks in there? It looks like you have a lot of places to sit down and like maybe get a coffee or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it is it is that a place where you can just go there just to talk to people and you don't have to like pay for any class or anything too? Yeah, and, and we welcome those people. We really want people to drop in, you know, talk to us, talk to people that are working here. Um and you know, see see, you know, what they can get out of this community. I really I think the, the for me it sounds like the a lot of people would come there, especially I would feel that, you know, some Japanese people might not even know what you do, right? It's like, okay, what do we do? But I guess you said like you said, the education part is kind of the biggest the main focus, right? Um that that that's kind of where we want to differentiate ourselves, where you know, when when we started we saw a lot of different co working spaces, um, but they didn't really have the community or educational element. Um I I believe co working means actually learning and upskilling. Um, and I really wanted to create that space. Cool. And how, how did you go about finding like your teachers, right? I mean, you have to have some people that teach teach other people the stuff, right? Did you go, did you like have a hiring process, or how did you do that? So finding the teachers is really finding uh, people that have the knowledge and know how, but really can't find an outlet. Um, and it's very interesting because when I go to colleges, uh, there's a uh, there's ICU International Christian University nearby our space. And if you talk to some of the professors or uh, teaching assistants, they're kind of frustrated by, by the traditional educational uh, um, model. So really those kind of people or people from business consulting and whatnot, wherever they see kind of a lack in their own industry, we kind of want to provide a space for them to have the freedom to teach whatever they want. Cool, cool. Yeah, that sounds like a really cool thing. Yeah, so um, back to our teacher idea here so i'm a teacher in japan but i want to do something else i have this cool idea you recommend going to tokyo is a good place other big city get out there networking hopefully something happens for you if you really uh, you know, knock on enough doors like you said um so uh, as someone that's from korea and you're not uh, from you're not japanese uh how was what was your visa situation because i get some questions like that all the time you know like i want to start a business but it might take me six months but i don't have a visa what can i do uh was that easy for you because your family was there or what yeah, so I would say my my situation uh, because of my family and their business, I was relatively easier. Um, but I do deal with you know nowadays, especially the community I'm trying to develop. Uh, we sponsor a lot of visas for our uh, foreign workers here, and it's definitely it's definitely one of those processes that are is a big hurdle for foreigners to come to Japan. Mm-hmm, yeah, because you can't you have you can't. You can't get one after you get here. You have to kind of have one, then get here. It's kind of yeah. a weird system, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't want to ask that. What does that entail when you sponsor someone's visa? Are you on the hook for anything if something like goes wrong with them or something? So yeah, I mean, it really has to be a full time employee that we sponsor, and then say that 
these employees have a professional skill that we want to use for our company. Uh, and, and that's how we hire people internationally. Okay. And let's say, let's say something crazy happens and they steal, you know, five beers from Seven Eleven and get arrested. Mm-hmm. Are you on the hook for that? Is there anything you, you could get in trouble too or not? I've heard, I've heard, I've heard some varying information about that. So that really depends. If it's something related to the company and he or she did it in, in uh, relation of the company, then we're on the hook of it. Oh, okay. If, it, if it's something very personal and, you know, something like stealing five beers on their weekend, that's something that maybe we'll get a slap on our wrist, but we can definitely dissociate with. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, side sidetrack it done there. Okay, so uh, <laughs> yeah, Nishu, what about your future plans? Right, what's kind of your what's kind of your you have a growth strategy you can share with us? Any kind of things coming up you want to share with us? Yeah, so we're really excited about the future of Nishiyaki Place, where you know we're continually you know um, trying to get more co-working members in and more educational programs here. But we're really interested in developing a platform, a platform for entrepreneurs where, you know, you're you're a Japanese, um, um, you know, uh, nine to five worker and you want to quit your job and you want to start a business or you're an English teacher in Japan, but you've always wanted to start your own company. We want a Nishogi place to be the one stop shop for entrepreneurs to really go from idea to execution of your business. Mm-hmm. OK, so and how about. When, when you have someone that has, let's say someone come, walks in and has a great idea, uh, what do you recommend they do? Give us the quick, like, uh, pretend we walked in there and we have a cool idea you think is cool too. Uh, what would you tell us to do? What, what's our first kind of steps? So usually what I tell uh, people with ideas is let's validate it. Uh, let's validate if, if it's something that people want. So I tell, you know, we, we host a lot of entrepreneur courses. Uh, and the first thing we say is talk to your customers. Um, if you have an idea, who's going to buy it? Who's going to actually use it? Uh, from there, you can really start getting the ball rolling. And I've heard about this before, you know, making sure people want it. Uh, do you recommend like seeing if someone will buy it right away or something? I've heard of that strategy, like uh, ask it, will you pay me? Will you give me 10 bucks for this right now or something like that? You know, when you have an idea that costs, that is uh, that kind of idea of people pay money for something. Do you recommend doing stuff like that? Or is it more just polling and see what people think? So I think those kind of ideas work for some products. If it's a very tangible good and it's easy transaction, I think that totally works. Um, when it becomes like, you know, software apps or something like a Nishiyogi Place business model, it becomes a little different. So really what I tell people is try to get the most data out of people. Like try to understand your market segment and your customer and kind of figure out their pain points. Like what are they suffering in their life and how can we alleviate that suffering? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that pain points thing is something I've heard before in the show. That's just how you find uh, business ideas from finding where people have trouble with things. Um, what do you kind of trends do you think are, are going on in Japan right now? You know, Olympics are coming up. A lot more foreigners are going to be in Japan soon. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there any kind of trends you've noticed? Uh, you know, ideas maybe in one kind of field or something that are happening a lot these days. So a lot of things that we focus and I see in Japan as a whole is you know the shift in working culture um, because there's a lot more foreigners coming. Uh, there's a lot more Japanese locales that are looking at a different way of working. Um, because traditionally, and we've seen in news, like there's things like karoshi, which, you know, people die here because of overwork. Um, so the working culture and the way that people work is, it's very outdated, I believe. And I believe that, you know, you, you need to change that in a sense that people work, but people work life. They're, it's something that they enjoy doing. Uh, they can express creativity. 
Yeah, that's 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 a tough thing, right? It's finding a job that allows you to do that. Um, yeah, that's cool that you've got that for sure. And <laughs> you're in your in your job. Uh, I guess uh, someone out there. Let's 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 talk to the person out there that has an idea. What kind of advice would you give them to start their journey? Is there any kind of thing you wish you knew that would make it easier for you in your path or anything that you could share with us? So I I would say you know it goes back to talking to your customers. You know, every time like I've made a lot of mistakes uh, starting Nishogi Place because I didn't know any better. Um, but I would say the biggest way that I could have avoided those mistakes is talk to people that would use your service. Talk to people um, that have tried it before or and also never be afraid to ask for help because, you know, yes, you will get rejected sometimes if people don't really care about your ideas. But you always got to reach out uh, and try to get mentorship or some kind of help to really nurture your ideas. There you go, guys. So NishiyogiPlace.com is where to go. They also have Facebook, Instagram. Uh, anywhere else we can check you out if we want to check out more of your stuff? Yeah, you can uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, we also have a meetup group called Startup Life Tokyo. So we host events regularly. So please uh, come and talk to us. And, you know, we would love to hear your ideas. Yeah, it seems like, you know, everyone that's doing something in Tokyo or these bigger cities always are always talk about meetups and how important they are. So, yeah, especially if you're hosting one, you can meet Higun himself uh, at one of these meetups for sure. So, Higun, thanks so much for your time. Wish you the best of luck in this yogi place. If I remember Tokyo, I'll stop by myself and uh, hope to get some, if, catching some of the vibes of that place for sure. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, James. I really hope you enjoyed today's Inside Japan podcast. Dive deeper into our world and learn more about what awaits you. Check out ALTinsider.com. And for regular up-to-the-minute job postings, check into jobsinjapan.com for the next big gig. Please tune in for our regular excursions into the world of Japan. And good luck. Gambate. Don't go.